Good evening, everyone. It's a, a wind, windy Wednesday, and glad to be sharing with you guys this evening. And so, um, looking forward to sharing with you. And uh, again, I just encourage you guys that if you feel like this word would be a blessing to your some of your friends, that you would share it with them. And so, we're all excited um, uh, to share with you this evening. And um, just a kind of a thought of you know at last on my last uh, podcast I was saying I wanted to serve Jesus and not just feel like I was bound to serve the podcast and didn't feel like I needed to do something weekly and uh, so so I'm just seeking to follow Jesus' leading in this and this this is this uh, this message has been uh, kind of difficult in some ways but I may really feel like it's a critical message and that you'll make more sense of it as we go along. Um, also, just, just looking ahead, I'm going to be going to Arizona to see my daughter and uh, even going to visit the Grand Canyon. So I don't know when we'll, the Lord will lead next. We'll, I'm just seeking to follow him. And so so thank you for sharing with us and let's let's get right into tonight. Well, this, this message uh, um, is... I'm calling it the fruit of critical theory in current events. You know, the New York Times is maybe the West, the most well-known newspaper in the whole world, and they have put out a series of ads recently focusing on truth. And one says, the truth is worth it. Another says, the truth is essential. And But yet, just recently, on page 20, paragraph 24, no, no less, the Times acknowledged that the story regarding Hunter Biden's business dealings with Russia and China was true. Now, this story was broken by the New York Post and was investigated by the United States Senate. And this happened just before the presidential election of 2020. Now, the Senate investigation was titled Hunter Biden barisma and corruption and then it goes on to talk about its impact on u.s government and related concerns and the u.s senate committee on homeland security and government affairs investigated this this whole situation so hunter biden received millions of dollars and was hired to sit on the board of the ukrainian corporation barisma now barisma was owned by a man the senate committee called an odious oligarch I think that means he was kind of a stinker. <laughs> the Senate committee report expressed concerns of like conflict of interest because these business transactions occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. And so Hunter was hired by Burisma during a trip to Ukraine and when he was with his dad uh, as, as Joe was representing the U.S. on official government business. And so, again, this story broke right before the 2020 presidential election. And so the Times, at that time, the New York Times headline said this, quote, Republican inquiry finds no evidence of wrongdoing by Biden, end quote. That stands in huge contrast to what the actual Senate report said when they, they, they described it as corruption and conflict of interest. Now, as, 
at that at that time, the New York Times and the major social media powers, Facebook and Twitter, they completely dismissed the story, called it Russian disinformation. Not only did they call it disinformation, but it was even blocked from being posted. Even the Senate report was blocked by the social media people. Now, this censorship denied the American people to know the truth in the situation. Now, this whole situation magnifies our concerns about the media and how they so control the narrative that it leads to deception. So, as the major media denied the true story of these corrupt business dealings, they simultaneously strongly promoted the false story that Donald Trump had colluded with Russia to rig the 2016 election. So it's like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. The business dealings of Hunter Biden are not true. At the same time, this false story of a collusion with Russia was, was promoted strongly. Now, <clears throat> all these media actions are an effort to like control the narrative. And as they're doing that, that reflects the values of critical theory and postmodernism that we've been referring to. Specifically, it, 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 it validates or, or it illustrates the postmodern notion that there's no such thing as absolute truth. And that reality makes it easier for them to, number one, hide the truth regarding Hunter Biden's business dealings, and secondly, to blatantly lie about the Russian collusion. After all, there's no such thing as truth. So clearly, the mainstream media controlled the narrative here and deceived the world. Now, just recently, there was another troubling current event. Recently, Yale Law School planned a debate on free speech. The debate was hosted by their Federalist Society, and it featured Kristen Wagoner from the Conservative Alliance Defending Freedom and Monica Miller. She's an associate at the Progressive American Humanist Association. The debate, the discussion was to be held on March the 10th, and the hope was to show that a liberal atheist and a conservative Christian could agree on free speech. Well, about 120 students showed up to protest the debate. They completely outnumbered the members of the audience. And the law school student, this is Yale Law School, no list. And they, they protested so vehemently that they disrupted the debate, shouted down and intimidated the speakers. And it was so bad that the speakers were escorted out of the building by the police because they feared for their safety. Now, afterwards, more than 400 of the law school students, that's over 60% of the entire student body, signed an open letter that assailed the presence of the armed police at the meeting and voiced support for the peaceful student protesters. They said, quote, the danger of police violence in this country is intensified against black LGBTQ people and particularly black trans people. The letter goes on. The decision to allow police officers in 
as a response to the protest put Yale Law School's queer student body at risk of harm. The letter also condemned the moderator for telling the students to grow up and the Federalist Society for even hosting the event was condemned by this student letter, law school student letter. Now, why in the world were the law school students shut down free speech? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Now, what occurred here at Yale Law School makes no logical sense. These are supposedly the cream of the crop of, the, of a great academic institution in the United States, one of the best. As law school students, they are college graduates. And the, and the topic of the debate itself was free speech. So, so let's take a deeper look at this thing. As we further examine this protest, it reels, reveals evidence of this cultural war that is raging all around us. So here's the details. Christian Wagner, the conservative speaker from the Alliance Defending Freedom, had won a case at the Supreme Court defending a man named Jack Phillips. Jack Phillips is the owner and operator of Masterpiece Cake Shop in Denver, Colorado. He had politely but firmly refused to bake a cake for a gay couple on the grounds that the gay marriage had violated his religious beliefs. Well, Wagner and the De Alliance Defending Freedom defended Phillips, and, it, and his case went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled 7-2 to two in favor of Phillips' religious freedom. And so Wagner had stated, quote, Government hostility toward people of faith has no place in our society, yet the state of Colorado was openly antagonistic toward Jack's religious beliefs about marriage. The court was right to condemn that, end quote. So, this vehement protest by, you know, you know, at this free speech event expresses that the gay communities has totally rejected this Supreme Court ruling on religious freedom. They see, <clears throat> excuse me, lost my place a moment. They see Phillips' exercise of his religious beliefs as a violation of their civil rights. Let me re repeat that just to make that clear. So they're, 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 they're vehemently protesting this. They, the gay community obviously has totally rejected the Supreme Court's ruling. They didn't, they're not honoring this, this ruling of, ha of, of, of protecting Phillips's religious freedom. They see his religious freedom to not bake the cake as a violation of their civil rights. Now, there have been actually been several similar such protests on college campus. And, and so they've often campuses, they've often, you know, intervened to prevent conservative religious speakers from speaking and just not even allow free speech. Now, since we as Christians see homosexuality as a sin, 
we can expect more conflicts to come as an expression of the cultural war. Well, thankfully, some leaders have addressed the students' hypocrisy at Yale Law School. Senior U.S. Circuit Court Judge Lawrence Silberman sent this message to federal judges nationwide. Quote, all federal judges, and all federal judges are presumably committed to free speech, should carefully consider whether any such student so identified should be disqualified for potential clerkships. So at least someone's speaking up and saying, hey, these students should not be allowed to advance in their legal uh, careers. <clears throat> now, how do we explain this, this amazing extreme behavior? Well, the beliefs of critical theory really kind of explain it. The proponents of critical theory see logic as a tool of oppression. They believe that victims of oppression are uniquely qualified to speak regarding oppression. So therefore, the stories of victims provide essential insight into the nature of oppression. So therefore, the experience and the stories of people are considered authoritative over any attempts at logic, reason, or the facts of a situation. So proponents of critical theory seek to control the narrative of any incident. Well, so therefore, these students' actions to prevent the debate was purposely done to control the narrative. You know, the logic of allowing a debate on free speech to let both sides be heard didn't fit the narrative. So the denial of logic and controlling the narrative is justification for things like the council culture. If your words don't fit the narrative, then your freedom of speech may be denied. So how are we as Christians to respond to this cultural war that's raging and these things happening? Well, courage is where we must begin. Isaiah 59, 19 tells us, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Let's pray that the Spirit of the Lord will lift up his standard in our day, and, and let's be willing to be his instruments and to speak the truth in love. You know, and in this time of great deception, our relationship with Jesus is so key. John 15 is a wonderful dialogue of Jesus with his disciples on the night of his betrayal. And he gives them the beautiful analogy that he is the vine and we, the branches, must remain in him. Verse 7 and 8 are so awesome, remarkable. He says, quote, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Now the word here, word here in 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 my words remain in you. The word there for word is the Greek word rhema, which literally means that which is or has been uttered by the living voice, the spoken, spoken word. Now Jesus is our living, resurrected Lord. And so and Jesus describes himself in John 10 3 as the good shepherd. And he says that. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them. Verse 4, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. 
And so abiding in the vine, following the good shepherd, listening to his voice, all speak of an intimate relationship with Jesus. And in this time of great deception, that is so essential. Now, Jesus is also the Logos word that enables us to know the truth. John 8, 31, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then are you truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Greek word here for word is Logos in this case. It's the same word that's used in John 1, 1, which says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Now, obviously, that's talking about Jesus. And then Jesus even prays for us in John 17, 17. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word, logos, is truth. So now let's meditate on this, that Jesus is our logos. Jesus himself is the word of God. Jesus spoke all creation into being just by the words of his mouth. His word sanctifies us, sets us apart in his kingdom, and his kingdom is not of this world. If we continue in his logos, we will know the truth and be kept free from deception. A final thought. Though his word protects us, we are in a real spiritual battle. Critical theory, again, rejects logic. Now, and again, logic, the, the, the Greek word that it comes from is logos. And just as we saw Jesus is the logos, they reject logic. Critical theory also rejects dialogue. The root of dialogue is also logos. They do not believe in hearing both sides to logically make decisions. That's why they believe in the council culture and acts like the, the Yale Law School students shutting down free speech. Again, if your logic doesn't fit the narrative, you must be silenced. Well, we must resist. We must take our stand for truth in this evil day. We must speak the truth in love. Now, the sobering reality is that as we do, we will not find peace. Jesus warns us in John 10, 34, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, that may sound in contrast. He is the Prince of Peace. We will have peace in our hearts, but the spiritual battle is raging. So, Jesus warns us about this spiritual battle and as he talks about the end times in Matthew 24. Verse 8 says, all these are the beginning of birth pangs. Verse 9, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Verse 13, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So, a, a reality I believe we've got to just face is, as we take a stand for truth, we will face resistance and persecution. So let's close with the example of Martin Luther. Martin Luther took a stand knowing that 
John Huss had taken a stand before him. And they had they took John Huss, the Catholic Church took John Huss, tied him to a stake, and burned him to death. Now, truth was definitely in peril in, in Martin Luther's day. Pope Alexander V was known to have three mistresses and five children when he was supposed to be celibate. Yet, the church practiced that. The Pope's word was equal to God's word, equal to the Bible. The invention of the printing press enabled the Pope to print indulgences. Those were just a certificate signed by him. And if people purchased those indulgence certificates, it enabled them to buy forgiveness. Or as John Tetzel loved to proclaim, he was a seller of indulgences. He said, quote, when a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Now, Luther, as all this is going on, Luther stood up against that deception, issued his famous 95 theses, you know, to, to address all the false teachings, knowing that it may well mean his death. Now, his words of his final stand in his trial provide us with an excellent example of how to take a stand. Let's meditate on what he says. So, that, so they, they said to him, they demanded, the Catholic Inquisition, the church court, said, recant or suffer condemnation, essentially death. This was Martin Luther's reply. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils, for they have often contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant because acting against one's conscience is neither safe nor sound. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Let's close in prayer. Lord, as we seek around us this deception and the truth being hidden and denied and lies being told it's just a it's just a difficult time it's a, it's a it's an evil day and so lord we pray matthew or isaiah 59 as the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the lord lift up a standard against him oh god lift up your standard against this time of deception we pray in jesus name and so lord we pray also that we could be willing to be instruments to lift up your standard of truth. And so, Lord, help us, enable us, give us your courage, give us your wisdom, enable us to speak the truth in love in this day of tremendous deception. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. So grateful to be able to share with you. You know, again, just be alert. I'm not sure when we'll get to, to uh, share with you again. But we'll just follow the Lord's leading in it. And so look forward to talk with you again. And again, please share this with those who might be blessed by it. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Have a great week.